What is going on, my friends? I hope you are doing well today. The team at TRE wants to say thank you so much for all the support. Thank you for joining today. This is the Real Estate Podcast, and we want you guys to do us a solid. If you don't mind, can you help us get the message out? We believe that real estate can be for anybody, and we believe there's opportunities for people to grow with us. So if you can, please share, subscribe, like, comment. Thank you for being here on our journey, and we are going to continue to add as much value as we possibly can and try to shake up the industry. Let's dive in. On the economic side, it's easier to measure. So it's more like, okay, if you want to be a millionaire, right? A lot of people will be like, well, I don't deserve to be a millionaire. I don't do this. But if you look at, if you begin to connect yourself with millionaires and hang out with millionaires and the values of like, you begin to look at what some of the values of those people are, you're like, holy crap, they can do so much for society Mm -hmm. by becoming a billionaire, by giving back. It's like, if they can do it, why not me? All right, everybody, welcome to the Real Estate Podcast. We have a very special episode for you today. Matt and Diego have been friends for a long time, and I have been able to learn about Diego's journey uh, by watching everything that he has on the internet and hearing him speak. So we're really excited to get him in the studio today. We're going to cover his story. Uh, Hopefully, y'all can learn a lot from him. He's very smart, very sharp, accomplished a lot. Um, And also, we'll dive into, you know, kind of how he's viewing things now and how uh, he's approaching business today. So thank you for joining, Diego. Awesome, Alex. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. I am excited because this is the second time uh, that I get interviewed for this type of podcast here. Uh, Back, I think it was the last one was 2016 or 2017. So uh, it's cool to be back. Yeah, a lot's changed since then, huh? Yes, it has. Well, if you don't mind, uh, for our viewers who haven't seen that one Mm -hmm. or maybe have not seen any of your other stuff, you have a really beautiful story. And I, and I love, uh, you know, how you got started and just the, the grind and the hustle and the motivation to never allow any obstacle stop you from accomplishing what you want to accomplish. So if you don't mind, could we dive into that? And then we'll kind of just uh, transition into what we got going on today. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. So basically for me, my just so that I can start with like where I am and then work backwards. Like Whatever you prefer. From, like start now, right? That's good. Um, so where where <clears throat> I am now, I'm 32 years old. Um, as of this week, I own 61 doors. And uh, as a real estate investor, I am one of the team leaders of a KW team here in Austin, Texas. Uh, last year, we sold 256 homes. The goal is to hit 300 homes uh, this year. And um, and then I have two other businesses too, REI Call Center and Rat Race 2FI. And, uh, and a skip tracing company too called Skip Better, right? So this is everything that is happening now. But I um, my story basically starts when I was nine years old when I came to the United States. I, um, I came to the United States with my parents with a, with a tourist visa and then we overstated, which means that we became undocumented. Where from? From Peru. From Peru, okay. Yeah, we came, we moved into my aunt's house. We lived in a bunk, like we lived in her house. Uh, we slept in a bunk bed in a room for like three months before we found our, our main space. Uh, that's when we moved into a townhome. Uh, but we started from zero. We, we moved here without anything. Uh, and then my parents had to buy a car, find jobs, everything. And I knew that we were undocumented as a child, but it didn't really hit me what it meant. 
until I turned 15 years old when it was my turn to get my driver's license, like all my friends, mm-hmm. right? I was in high school, my friends were getting their cars. I'm like, okay, now it's my turn. And I go there and they said, Diego, uh, with this paperwork, we're missing this. I asked my mom, she's like, we don't have that. So then the DMV said, you cannot drive. So I was like, okay, well, I put all my emphasis into school, graduated third in my high school class. I was all excited, going to college. I applied to Florida State University, got in as I'm going as I'm choosing everything and looking at the finances, how much it costs, I apply for uh, financial aid. And mm-hmm. they and in looking at the requirements, they say that I can't qualify because I'm, I don't have a green card and I'm not a citizen. So I'm like, crap, now I can't do this. Maybe scholarships, I want some scholarships, but again, they require green card and citizenship. Uh, so at that point, I'm like, okay, what can I do? Uh, I had enough money to go to college for one year I, as I'm going there, I get an internship working for free. And they say, Diego, you've done more work as a freshman than some seniors doing a year, so we wanna hire you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, great, this is gonna be my way to pay for college. Where was the internship? It was at a nonprofit <clears throat> organization um, in Tallahassee, Florida. Okay. Yeah, it was called the Children's Campaign. And so uh, I don't know this, but yeah. uh, the college would allow you to attend college without documentation, but you couldn't apply for financial aid or scholarships. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I was going there, I apply, I'm going through the employment part, and then um, they say, Diego, everything looks good, we just need your work authorization. So I'm like, okay. I asked my mom, she's like, we don't have that. So then I'm like, crap, I'm 19 years old, I cannot work, I cannot drive, I can't get student loans or financial aid. What the heck, you know? Like I've been doing everything that the, my parents, my teachers, everybody told me to do. Uh, but I remember what my dad said, that the US is a land of opportunity, but it is up to us to find it. Mm-hmm. He told me that when I was a kid. We we're like, we're gonna have to work extra hard, but there's always a way. So in doing that, I found out a way that I could get paid was as a contractor. So I created my own company, my LLC with a buddy. His name is Pascal Wagner, one of my best friends. And uh, we created an LLC and I was getting paid to do websites because I went to school for IT. Uh, I did websites for small businesses, nonprofits, and so they will pay me instead of, I mean, they will pay my company instead of Diego Corzo. So you could get an EIN. EIN number. But uh, not the other. Yeah, so I could get a taxpayer number, but I couldn't get paid as an employee, uh-huh. um, And uh, but I could be paid as, as a contractor. Mm-hmm. Then that will pay my company and, and, that, and that way. Uh, but what was crazy about this too is that my mode, my only way to of transportation was a suit. I mean, like was a, a bike, right? So mm. imagine like I would have to have some meetings, right? Dressed up just like you are, uh, with with a suit and tie and like everything, right? Uh, so I would go to meetings with a suit in my backpack. Mm-hmm. And uh, so imagine if we were doing this, but I would come here, ride my bike, because this is 2010, 2011. So no Uber, no Lyft, mm-hmm. nothing of that. Uh, so I would ride my bike uh, with a suit in my backpack and a towel, and I would park my bike in the back of the building um, and then dry off, change, and walk to the front of the, front of the building. And then from there, do my interview, Everything worked out good. Go back, change back into my sweaty gym clothes and ride my bike back home. Mm-hmm. So that, those were like the hustle days. Uh, right. And uh, But it paid off, <clears throat> graduated college. Uh, as that was going on, 
as I was graduating college, the Obama administration passes the DACA program. And that that would allow me to finally work and drive. Prior to that, I was completely undocumented without any type of, um, of help of being able to see if I could drive, work, or anything. So I graduated college with two degrees in less than four years and thankfully with no student debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was going to finish and I'm like, what was I going to do, right? Mm-hmm. But with the Obama program called the DACA program, me being a dreamer, some what Congress calls a dreamer, um, that will finally allow me to work and drive. GM starts hiring from Florida State University and they say, look, we heard great things about you, your, like, your, everything that you've done to get to where you are, we wanna hire you. Do you wanna go to Detroit or Austin? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I do not like the snow, <laughs> I am going to Austin. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I looked up, okay, where is Austin? Mm-hmm. Like within Texas, I had never been to Austin. Um, but, uh, but yeah, in 2013, I moved to Austin, Texas and been here ever since. It's such a beautiful story, and uh, I'm glad that you were able to share that with everybody. I've heard it uh, many times, and I just think it's it's really inspiring. And uh, for anybody who wants to go out and achieve anything, you know, we're always going to experience obstacles, uh, like you did many, right, mm-hmm. that were out of your control. It's not like this was something that was uh, a result of your actions, right? But there was some sort of obstacle in your way and you just learned how to solve that problem and keep moving forward regardless of what was happening. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's really inspiring for people who are out there and want to start their own business and uh, be successful and invest in real estate and all those types of things. It's it's not easy necessarily, right? We love what we do. Mm-hmm. We love solving problems. We love uh, overcoming obstacles, but that's what it requires and you just can't allow anything to prohibit you from moving forward. You always have to find a way. Exactly, exactly. One of the skills that I got from uh, from all the ups and downs of the roller coaster that's been, right? And then afterwards, we are gonna get more on what's happening now and all of that stuff. But through the roller coaster, one of the skills that I got is resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. I became one that like, okay, there's, there's a way. So whether it's finding the answer in Google or like calling people, doing whatever I had to do to get the answer, to get a yes to, after hearing so many no's for so many different things, um, that that's one of the skills that I was able to get when I look back. Um, that's the skill that got me now that people are like, how are you getting so many things done? It's like, well, resourcefulness. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's needed. I mean, you have to be resourceful to solve these problems. Mm-hmm. You know, similar to like this uh, duplex we were talking about the other day, Maybe that deal would have been okay or maybe it wouldn't have worked another way, but being resourceful and asking the right questions and getting creative to mm-hmm. create a situation that obviously was a win-win for you and the seller or yes. they wouldn't have sold it, right? Exactly, exactly. So so then, yeah, and then uh, from that, while I was in college, I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, that book taught me two things, right? That you can either trade your time for money or make your money work for you. Mm -hmm. So I knew that even as I was graduating college and getting my job, I knew that I wanted to build wealth through real estate. And I went all in to learning, reading, and getting, trying to get with having the right knowledge about it, the right education, and trying to get to know people that would help me on my journey. Was that because of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or prior to that, you had real estate in mind? 
uh, it was due to Rich Dad Poor Dad. But mm-hmm. I went to an event. The book that introduced the, the event that introduced me to Rich Dad Poor Dad uh, was called Succeed Faster for College Students. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was by a guy named Adam Carroll, and uh, at that event, he said something that changed my life because that's how I lived my life in the future. Was which has been build a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. And right. with that. I've always had that in the back of my mind of building a bigger life. What does that mean is investing in like experiences, uh, creating the memories rather than just buying stuff, buying things or living in that sort of like rat race where you just go to work so you can pay off your bills. Right. Um, having a nice car and upgrading it every two years and so mm-hmm. forth, right? So I went. I decided to choose a bigger life and decided to sacrifice things in the short term for long-term gain. Right. And so, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm-hmm. uh, you're working at GM Yeah. here in Austin. What are you doing at GM? I was a SharePoint developer. So did websites for internal General Motors projects. Got it. Yeah, because your company did website development. Exactly. Right. Okay. And so, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, want to buy more real estate and become wealthy through real estate. Yes. So how did you kind of make that? transition into investing or take that first step yeah so interestingly enough i wanted to start house hacking Mm -hmm. i read i read online about the strategy called house hacking on bigger pockets and i was like holy crap this might be my my way into starting investing in real estate so i found a realtor that could help me and as we were going through that process i found out that lender said diego with because of the papers that you have you cannot qualify for a loan Mm -hmm. and i was like holy crap this was my goal to buy properties in the future and i'm hitting another no and uh, so i called my dad and um i told him the situation i'm like look this this is my goal and now i cannot do it and i'm i'm super disappointed um because i don't know what other way and my dad's like well how much cash do you have so I was able to figure out a way um, so that he and I can buy a home cash in Florida, and that was my first investment. But I wanted, the goal was always to start house hacking because mm-hmm. when I looked at my all of my expenses, my living expense was my highest one. Mm-hmm. So I asked myself, okay, I need to, how can I eliminate it, mm-hmm. right? And that's when I found out about house hacking. So I did everything that I could do to be able to, I spoke with many lenders after a lot of no's, and uh, in between that time, that realtor that was helping me, he became a friend and I got my license so that I could do this part-time. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, I don't know the Austin market, but I know I wanna invest here. Um, what the best way for me to get to know the market can be by me becoming a realtor. Mm-hmm. So this was back in 2014. Became a realtor, found a lender that could give me a conventional <clears throat> loan with my DACA paperwork and I closed on a home in Pflugerville, 5% down for 170,000 mm-hmm. back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. When prices were that nice. And uh, so fi- with less than 10,000, I was able to buy a four bedroom home. I lived in the master and I rented out each room for 550. Mm-hmm. My mortgage was 1350. Mm-hmm. So I was able to make 1650 from the roommates pay off my mortgage and still have about 200 bucks left, two to 300. Would you pay for utilities? Uh, we split that too. Uh-huh. And we split that four ways. So it was like 70 bucks per person or 60 bucks per roommate. And um, so with that, the extra income was able to pay for my car payment. 
Nice. So since I was 24 years old, my car payment and my housing has been getting paid by other people, and that allowed me to save money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you were working at GM full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you bought this with a conventional loan. Was it uh, so? I mean, you got stopped many times, I guess, talking to other lenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think it worked out this time with this one? He just found a program that would work for you? He found a program and he found the right education for what it meant to basically to buy a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loan with people in my situation of immigration Mm -hmm. uh, where everybody said, no, it's not possible. It's like, well, he went into the definition Mm -hmm. of what it means to be like a non-resident alien or resident alien or whatever. Um, and he was able to get the thumbs up from his manager, or his team, whatever. Resourcefulness. Um, resourcefulness, yes. His name was Josh Hanley. He's helped me a lot on the loan side. Um, and uh, it's, been, it's been great. <clears throat> now, the cool part about house hacking or with owner-occupant loans is that you can qualify for one every year or every two years. Mm-hmm. So then I just repeated that process like, over and over and over again and was able to now living for free in this one but when I left, I put somebody in the master. Now I'm making a thousand bucks off of one property, moved into a second one, and then did it again, mm-hmm. right? With low money down, living with roommates, or living for free again, and so forth. And that's how I was able to build a small real estate portfolio before I changed strategies and did other types of investments. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's uh, resourcefulness, sacrifice, right? Building a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. Yes. Uh, I remember listening to you talk uh, previously and I think you were saying that you bought these next to Dell and you would rent these out to Dell employees is that correct exactly so it was in the tech rich area here in Austin so there's General Motors there's Dell there's Samsung there's Intel um, and a few other companies so what was cool about it is that all the roommates uh, were actually like tech people and Mm -hmm. it was millennials too. So it just made it super easy, um, super easy to rent, especially because GM was also hiring a lot of college new hires, Mm -hmm. college students coming out of college. Um, So they all wanted, like they could either rent like an apartment or they would rent a room Mm -hmm. until they got to know the city and then move, right? So I would do six month leases or 12 12 year leases and it worked out. How'd you find uh, the people to rent? Would you post it on like GM's board or something? I would post it on Craigslist and on the Facebook group. Nice. Yeah, Craigslist worked awesome. Yeah, because I had a roommate from Dell. One time I had a roommate from Dell, Samson and GM. And I was like, this is is great. They're all making good income and yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, it's we're Matt and I are uh, similar in a sense in the uh, sacrifice and build a bigger life, not bigger lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that if people can take that first step and realize that, you know, you're not really sacrificing that much for what you're going to gain in the long term of it. Uh, mm-hmm. They would just see so much benefit in doing things like that, of course. Yeah, yeah. And and so I started building my real estate portfolio, uh, partner up with the right people too, because I found out or like I realized that me starting from scratch, right, I was also getting some kind of experience, but I had time, mm-hmm. me being young at that age. So a lot of the partnerships that I did, I'm a big believer that everybody has an unfair advantage. No matter what your situation is, everybody has an unfair advantage. Mm-hmm. And on the investment side, it's either money, knowledge, or time. Mm-hmm. There might be one or two other things, but it's basically that. Like 
well, knowledge, money, your network, and time. Mm -hmm. Somebody has those. If if you want to be successful, you want to partner up with people, that is the best thing. Especially if you partner up with people where you you like if you partner up with somebody that you have a hundred thousand, you have a hundred thousand, but you don't know what to do because you don't have the right education. You're gonna need another partner, mm -hmm. right? So. I started to partner up with people that needed the skill that my unfair advantage by partnering up with people that they had another unfair advantage that I didn't have. What was your unfair advantage? My unfair advantage was time and some knowledge mm -hmm. as of the Austin market. Right. So on the investment side, mm -hmm. I partnered up with a buddy who lived in Colorado and he saw the cash on cash return, quote mm -hmm. unquote, of uh, homes here in Austin by renting out to roommates. So he was like, dude, Diego, let's buy some. I can I can put money for the down payment. We can figure out how you're gonna pay me back later, 50-50, but let's start buying some. And I was like, cool, let's let's do it. So he leveraged my time because I was gonna be, I had my time to be boots on the ground and my knowledge of the market, mm -hmm. right? So it was a perfect partnership from yep. that perspective. We bought like three or four. And then later, um, my I quit, I quit working at GM to partner up with somebody who uh, basically he had a network. He had experience 12 years back then of being a realtor, Victor Nino, that's his name. And, uh, but the thing is he didn't have time anymore. Mm -hmm. so he was working like 16 hours and he's like, dude, I'm going crazy, 16 hours a day. Um, so I was like, dude, I can, you can leverage my time if I can leverage your network and your knowledge because I need a mentor, I'm getting my license and I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So that worked out. Then we started working together. I read a couple of books like The E-Myth, connected with some entrepreneurs and some other really successful successful people that I'll share that story later too. Um, but so I did everything that they would tell me, I implemented it and then we started growing um, by me. That's when I quit my job mm -hmm. to work with him and um, and so I leveraged his network because I didn't know many people in Austin, and he leveraged my time. Mm -hmm. So it was it was perfect. What were y'all partnering together to do? Um, basically, he would. It was me to work as his quote unquote buyer's agent or agent, mm -hmm. um, but I would handle all of his transactions so that all he could do was get more clients right. in. In, in the door. So I would do the paperwork in the beginning. I would do the showings. I would do everything. He did more of the listing presentations, but I would do everything else mm -hmm. until we decided to hire somebody in, in-house. Um, and yeah, and now we've grown the team to like 10 agents and stuff. So it's beautiful. Been good. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. you quit your job. Mm -hmm. Were you nervous at all or had you had some uh, cash flow uh, saved up to be able to support? Yes. Yeah, so I'm a big believer in like everything is risky, right? But mm -hmm. there's there's a difference between risky and calculated risk. I took a calculated risk because I had the, so I, I was making like 5K a month at GM, but because I was living for free and I was at the point that I was closing one house every 45 to 60 days. So every two months I will close on a home part-time. As a realtor? As a realtor. Got it. I knew that if I would work on it full time, mm -hmm. I could close one a month for sure. Mm -hmm. And maybe like start from there, right. right? And then work my way to two, three, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And um, and so in me quitting my job, I knew that it would be calculated because I was also living for free 
and I had no student debt, I had no credit card debt. So I was like, if I really need money like that, if I'm not closing any deals, I would do a website that from clients that I found on Craigslist or something, right. and I'll be fine, right? right? Uh, I also had some money saved, nothing crazy, but it was like, I knew that I, I had enough confidence in myself that I could figure out how to make extra money yeah. um, if I needed it, but it just started to, it worked out. And because of the fact that I was gonna quit to work with Victor, I knew that uh, we negotiated that I will take 30% of everything that he did. Um, so then that was my consistent income income too that I could work for in the future. Right. Um, but I remember the first month, so I quit August 31st, uh, 2015. Mm -hmm. And uh, September I made 900 bucks. And I was like, crap. <laughs> Hopefully I did the right thing. Yeah. Uh, but then October started like, there right. were things, right? But I remember I quit my job and telling my parents, hey, I'm gonna quit a job that I went to college for and everything and the American dream to work for General Motors as like Fortune 5 company back in 2013. Mm -hmm. uh, but I decided to quit and my parents were like, all right, we support you. And uh, it's been, it's been really, it's been, it's been crazy, but super rewarding mm -hmm. from 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 that perspective. And um, now, like we leverage the right way, and everything's been going well. Right, mm -hmm. and so it's really cool, actually, too, to hear that your family supported you in that move. Because uh, sometimes, uh, like my family, for example, uh, everybody's always had a full time job. Everybody's always had health insurance provided by their company. Everybody's mm -hmm. always had the four hundred one k or whatever retirement that their company provided. And so when I'm talking about, I don't want any of that and mm -hmm. uh, I wanna go do my own thing and create my own income, it's just foreign, right? And not that nobody didn't support me, however, you know, it was, it was uh, they probably didn't think that it was gonna work out, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's great to hear that uh, your family did and are there other entrepreneurs in your family? So yes, I mean, coming here from zero, it's sort of like a go-getter opportunity right from that perspective. And my my parents did, uh, they both are entrepreneurial. So they've been in the restaurant business. So they even though they started, my mom, when we moved here, she started as a waitress and my dad as a cook mm -hmm. in a kitchen. Um, my parents always knew that they had to own a business sooner or later. Mm -hmm. So now they do own two Peruvian restaurants. My dad takes care of one, my mom takes care of another one. Um, and but they've been very entrepreneurial from from that perspective on growth. And then when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I told my dad, I remember this. I remember the, like the exact conversation. I was like, Dad, I just read this book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and in it it talks about instead of you buying a new car, you can buy a small condo that you, that the rent can pay for the car payment. Mm -hmm. And then once you finish the car, the paying of the car, you still have an asset that gets you that condo. Um, so that you can have income in the future. My dad goes, oh, that's really cool. So we ended, a week later, my dad calls me, hey, so I found this condo around our house for uh -huh. $22,000. This is Florida after the after it crashed, so this is 2010. Mm -hmm. um, my dad's like, I found this condo for 22 or 21,000, should I buy it? I was like, I don't know, I just <laughs> read this in this book, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, okay, well, we'll buy it. So uh -huh. they bought it and um, and that was the first like real estate that they bought as an investment. 
And uh, it was funny that that came through a conversation. And now my dad owns like ten other properties too. And and uh, so it's been it's been really cool to to see that. But it all started from that like rich dad poor dad com- conversation of like seeing how we can buy assets to pay for our liabilities. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's uh once you know it's possible, mm-hmm. then there's nothing to stop you from achieving it, right? Exactly. We uh we recently started something here uh, called a TRE Espanol. Okay. And uh, it's a lot of the Spanish-speaking agents here at TRE, and their mission is to uh, speak to the Spanish-speaking community and let them know that uh, your story is mm-hmm. possible, right? Yes. Like, you can own real estate. You can be financially free. Uh you know, I'm uh, obviously not a part of that community. However, they say that there's just, you know, not a lot of belief in something like that being possible. Exactly, exactly. No, yeah, and it's something that, because of the fact that we were not educated, I feel like the right education needs to be put in place so that people can become aware. Mm -hmm. It's that awareness of like, hey, I cannot, like, everybody wants to own a piece of land in the United States, right? But they don't have the right tools or the right knowledge. And I feel like once we give them the right knowledge, um, then it will be possible. Yeah, it will be possible. Read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay, this is possible. Exactly. Seven days later, Diego's dad's ready to buy a condo. Exactly. Crazy, crazy. But then it goes again to, for anybody to succeed, you have to take action. Absolutely. Right? And and so that's been my thing too, is that the implementation side, like from my mentors and everything, I'm a big believer that in order for you to have mentors uh, that take you seriously, you need to take action. Mm -hmm. If not, you're just wasting their time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, so mom and dad, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and you have a brother, Gonzalo, right? Gonzalo. Yeah. Gonzalo. He's an entrepreneur. He's an Do you have yeah. any other siblings? No, it's just us four. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so you mentioned at the start of this that you own, uh, you're in this uh, real estate team. You are growing it. Goal mm-hmm. is 300 transactions, but you have a skip tracing company. Yes. And then what are the other two? So, um, a skip tracing company called Skip Better, and then we have mm. a cold calling company called REI Call Center. Got it. Too. Right now, we're helping around 150 clients. Some realtors, most most are wholesalers though, that are looking for off market deals, uh, all over the U.S. And uh, yeah, so right now we have around 150 clients. And then, um, as I've been sharing my story, we've had a lot of people reach out to learn about achieving financial independence mm-hmm. and investing and all that stuff. So we have a rat race to FI to help people get out of the rat race to achieve financial independence. Got and it. that's also, um, that's a brand that I have. It's like a mastermind, mm-hmm. quote unquote style. And uh, so that's that's all that I do. Very cool. Yeah. And the uh, are you the operator for each one of those? I am one of the owners, like depending on, on, on the company, mm-hmm. um, I do play an active role in all of them, mm-hmm. uh, but it is more in understanding where my strong suits are, but Your I do understand advantage. my unfair advantage, but uh-huh. I do take, uh, depending on the company, I, took, I take care more of the, like, the COO role um, on one of them and CFO in another one, stuff like that. Um, so it's been good. It's, it's been good, but I, but I do like to play to, to my strengths and then leveraging the right way. That's my, uh, that's my word for, for the year. Mm-hmm. It's how can I leverage the best way possible. 
Got it. Um, that's your word that's for this important. year? Leverage. Yes. What have you learned or what have you figured out with leverage? With leverage is the importance of being able to put systems in place so that you can either leverage systems or hire people mm-hmm. so that they can do it, right? So it goes from I do it to they do it to I do it to we do it to they do it. And so right now I'm in the we part right right now and later is going to get into the they do it. Right. Yeah. Have you what have you found that's hard kind of going from uh we to they? Um putting the right management in place mm-hmm. so that you become more of the um more of the person that is having direct reports rather than you are the one that's putting out fires uh, throughout <laughs> yeah. the day. And right, right now my life has been, right, <laughs> even till now it's like it's putting out fires, right? But now I've, I've been able to hire somebody, um, something <clears throat> that I learned from one of my mentors, uh, he has like his right-hand man, his name is Matt King, and uh, I was like, man, if this guy, when, when I met this mentor, uh, he, w- he was worth 440 million. Now he's worth around 200 million. And uh, so I like to look at like different clues, like success leaves clues, right? And he, mm-hmm. when he was able to get somebody, his chief of staff to help him out in different things. So I decided to hire one this year um, and uh, he's been great. He's been, he's been awesome. And um, Ward, uh, he's been able to help me more of the implementation side. He's been my chief of staff and uh, with different companies that a lot of the tasks that I do, he gets to like oversee that part mm-hmm. along with me um, as I'm training him to do different things for me. Got it. Yeah. It's a, it's a challenge, you know, and uh, being a good leader, um, you know, I feel is, especially when you have staff, right? Like uh, it started off, just Matt and I here. Uh, then Andrew came along and um, we've slowly built, I think we have full-time staff, uh, including VAs and, and in-person here. I think we have about 13 people now. Oh, wow. But uh, I still wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. Matt still wears a lot of hats. Yes. Um, and so it's, you know, because we're going through this process right now and we've got department heads for uh, different departments, but like I still wear the accounting and admin department head. I've got someone to help me out. However, I'm still the department head. I oversee it. Um, and I could hire someone in there. Uh, but the way that I've been viewing it recently is, well, marketing needs another hire. Agent success needs another hire. Machine needs to buy more leads and they need to make another hire. Mm-hmm. And so I've been saying, well, to myself, I'll just continue to wear this. Like I'll sacrifice removing things from me so that all these other departments can get the help that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, you know, just constant fires, 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 yeah. fires. And so I'm working through that process now, mm-hmm. um, but I'd love your advice or thoughts on it. Yeah. I mean, the, the main <clears throat> thing is putting some systems in place um, so that fires like that, they go through somebody Right, and then for example, one of one of the things that I did for one of the companies is before I was the one that was overseeing the emails. So I just started with like, look, you can handle the emails. If any, if you need my help, I will be there, mm-hmm. but you can handle that. Mm-hmm. And so that's been great because now I only see the emails that are that that are issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a great thing rather than me being responsive because there was a point uh, in my life, uh, where, uh, 
I did, so in 2020, I did 56 deals by myself mm-hmm. with one transaction coordinator. And and there were like three deals that I did with another agent, mm-hmm. but it was just me. Mm-hmm. And I realized like I was burning up. Mm-hmm. So then that's when we started hiring uh, other agents in the team. In 2021, I did 51 and I think 40, I did it with other agents in my team. So now I'm not, and now this year, uh, starting May of last year, I had to do, I was being held accountable to have to do every deal with another agent. So Got that it. now I'm not the one looking at my, cause I was looking at my phone all the time. Like I was like on my phone responding here, responding there. Um, so I decided to take that part. I technically, I was, I'm making less money, but it also allows me to, so on paper, one would think that I'm making less money, but by creating that leverage, then I can bring in more clients if I'm using my time wisely. Correct. Um, and even if I do make less at the end of the day for my sanity and to not be on my phone or on my computer working till like 11 at night, um, that's also something that, that I did want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, maybe a direct result of those 50-something clients or transactions where it's less money, however, more time to go create more money. And then like exactly. the mental freedom, right? Because the exactly. email, for example, even if you get 100 emails and you only have to respond to two of them, if you're looking at 100, it just takes up mental energy that you're thinking about other things. And exactly, exactly. And right now I'm like, look, I don't <laughs> want to do that, right? Yeah. And it's something that I'm learning too from that perspective and seeing what kind of emails are important and stuff like that. And and so, um, so, so yeah. Very cool. Um, but, ha- but having the right thing and understanding too that a lot of it has been through mentors, mm-hmm. right? Uh, one thing that I shared in the last podcast was when I was in a room of like, when I found myself in a room of like tw- 11 millionaires or 12 millionaires, when my net worth was 25,000 mm-hmm. and uh, how they gave me an opportunity to be mentored by them when they mm-hmm. didn't have to do that uh, at all. But I found myself in that room and I joined them and they were the ones basically that gave me the whole like success leaves clues, right? Mm-hmm. Of the, hey, if they're successful this way, if I do it, I can learn from them and what takes them 20 years to do, I might do it in 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's been a huge thing for me is that everybody believes that people say, oh, I'm a self-made millionaire or self-made man or whatever, but that's not true. There's mm-hmm. always been people uh, that have been helping people no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if you got a team. Yes, exactly. So- Cool, man. Well, uh, we'll wrap it up. I wanted to accomplish uh, one more, two more things, though. Yeah. So your goal this year is 300 transactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does the future look like for you and the rest of your businesses? Yeah. So the future, the future is definitely interesting because there's moving parts, but we are, we're working more in leveraging and hiring operations. Um for the real estate team, for example. We've been number one in our office for the last two years, but it's been because we've taken action, Mm -hmm. but maybe not the smartest way in creating the systems, Mm -hmm. um, which is now what we're doing. So we just hired, for example, a maps coach. I have a business coach too. So, um, So putting the things in place to make sure that things are running smoothly and we are providing resources to our agents, that's been one thing. Um, and then the other thing is making sure that with the other businesses uh, that we're creating 
one one of the main things is creating putting systems and so that the advertisement and the marketing and all of that stuff uh, can be converted by having call leads rather than having one main salesperson be the one that's closing because mm-hmm. that's not scalable. Right. Um, in the future, we do want to make sure that. So those are the systems that we're building right right, right now within the businesses uh, to make sure that we're leveraging the right way. Again, the word leverage is uh, it's the word of the year. In all of them. Yes. Good. That's beautiful. And last thing uh, I'll ask is, you know, what advice would you have uh, for anybody who maybe doesn't necessarily, I've experienced a lot of different things, you mm-hmm. know, so I'm sure you experienced this a lot with people reaching out who maybe they don't even feel like they deserve uh, financial freedom. That's mm-hmm. something I hear a lot is, well, I don't deserve to have all those things. or I don't deserve to live that sort of life or that's not possible for me or, mm-hmm you know, whatever uh, people tell themselves. Yeah. What would be your advice to them to go out there and and accomplish whatever their heart desires? Yeah, that's a very good question. I would say a lot of it has come to like, from the perspective on me, it's like, okay, why not me, right? Like I don't deserve it, but why not? If if that's what I'm feeling, right? Mm -hmm. And the quality of questions, this is something that uh, Tony Robbins says is like the quality of your life is in direct proportion with the quality of questions that you ask yourself, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, with all of my situation of immigration, of ups and downs, and uh, there's been so many things that have happened that I didn't get to share, right? But there were stuff where like I got flown to DC to meet with congressmen. I've given three TEDx talks and stuff like that. And it mm-hmm. was more when those issues came up um, that were hard. I always ask myself, okay, why is this happening to me rather than like people get the choice of asking themselves, why is this happening to me or why is this happening for me, Mm -hmm. right? When they ask yourself, when you ask yourself, why is this happening to me, you take the victim mentality Mm -hmm. and you get to begin to blame other people rather than taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. You say, oh, this happened to me because of X or because of the market or because of this person. But if you ask yourself, why is this happening for me? You take more the empowered mentality and you get to look for solutions rather than problems, right? right? So for that person that may be saying like, maybe I'm not deserving of this, well, ask yourself, okay, based on your life, based on the things, maybe it's limiting beliefs that were put by your parents or society or maybe yourself, ask yourself, okay, if this is your life, why is this happening for you? Mm -hmm. Not to you, but for you. And when you ask yourself that question, I'm a big believer that that you will say, well, this is happening for me so that I could accomplish this, this, or that, right? Right? And then I'm a big believer too that you're, and this is something that Ed Milet talks about is that like if you have a belief that you're only worth 70 that you can only make $70,000 a year no matter what happens you're going to go down or up to that amount mm-hmm. right so it's like how can you begin to um to focus on increasing that number for you if that's what you want. And we're talking economically, but it can be anything, right? It can right. be your weight, whatever, whatever, happiness, right? right? Uh, but if like on the economic side, it's easier to measure. So it's more like, okay, if you wanna be a millionaire, right? A lot of people will be like, well, I don't deserve to be a millionaire, right? Don't do this. But if you look at, if you begin to connect yourself with millionaires and hang out with millionaires, and the values of like, you begin to look at what some of the values of those people 
are, you're like, holy crap, they can do so much for society mm-hmm. by becoming a billionaire, by giving back. It's like, if they can do it, why not me? Right. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's not a selfish mentality. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not even about you. Mm-hmm. It's about all the other people that you could inspire or help exactly. or positively affect. Exactly. So, cool. Well, thank you. Uh, if you can, tell everybody how they can get a hold of you or contact yes. your team or learn more about your uh, companies. Yes, for sure. So they can reach out to me via Instagram. Uh, they can follow me at, at Real Diego Corzo. Or they can send me an email to info at Diego Corzo to find out a lot more about everything that I do, my companies, and stuff like that. Beautiful. Reach out to Diego. He's a wealth of knowledge. Thank you for joining today. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and we'll see you next time.